in Glendale, Arizona, Northwestern, kicking off their 2018 season against Nebraska-Omaha at Camelback Ranch Stadium. We'll get there, but we have some more previewing to do. I'm Mitt Malik, joined this week by Noah Kaufman and Josh Burton. Noah was one on one of our podcasts earlier. Josh has been on a few podcasts over the years, called some games as well. I'm sure some of you are familiar with him. How you guys doing on this Wednesday afternoon? Busy, but you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Good, good to take some time away from school, you know, we're yeah. in the middle of midterm season, kind of towards the end, I guess. Yeah, we're, we're almost out of the woods, at least with midterms. Um, so today on this podcast, we're going to preview the relievers, really all the pitchers we didn't talk about last week. Um, there's, a, there's a sizable group of them. We're going to try to get through all those guys, tell you what to expect. Then we're going to talk about the Nebraska-Omaha series, what to expect from the Mavericks. Four games this weekend, Friday, doubleheader Saturday, and Sunday. And then at the end, we have our exclusive weekly interview with Spencer Allen. We did that last year. Bring it back this year, so make sure you tune in to that. Uh, what do you say we, we get it started, guys? I guess I'm going to spoil part of the interview. Spencer Allen told us his projected rotation for the weekend. Uh, he said that on Friday he's expecting Hank Christie. Saturday he's going Danny Katz and then Ryan Bader. And Sunday is Quinn Lavelle. Now, in terms of our point of view, last week we talked about Quinn Lavelle as a starter we talked about Matt Gannon and Josh Levy as potential starters. They are obviously not in this weekend's rotation. Maybe they'll start somewhere in the line. But if you want to hear about them, go back, listen to last week, check that out. But that means we're also going to talk about Bader and Katz here in this Relievers podcast, just because we haven't talked about them yet. Um, why don't we start with those guys, because they are you know, going to be starting this week, which is a big deal for Northwestern. I think the easiest one to start with here is Danny Katz. Uh, junior on the team for Northwestern, 5'11", 170, pretty slight kid, uh, has had some you know limited roles over the last two years, but this is a guy that throws, throws strikes, and you know it's not hard to see why Josh Reynolds is going to go with him to start a game. Yeah, uh, 20 innings last season, only as a reliever, 13 appearances, kind of was a multi-inning kind of swing guy, one to two innings, I guess, for Northwestern. And yeah, as you said, I mean, only three walks in 20 innings, so for a Northwestern team that... We had some games last year and the year before. They've been plagued by relievers that just, you know, commit, uh, th- uh, couldn't get the ball over the plate from time to time. A guy like him that throws strikes, clearly, that's uh, definitely going in his favor. Yeah, you know, his career RA isn't spectacular. It's 514. thought he had a solid freshman year, especially on the team. You think about two years ago that, you know, pitching for them was definitely a, a struggling point. They've improved a lot. Again, the number one thing with Danny Katz is that he throws a lot of strikes. Only nine walks in his career um, in 49 innings pitch, which I think is pretty is pretty good. Um, I think they're going to ask him to, to you know just be a solid starter, not do too much. I don't think he's going to strike necessarily that many guys out, uh, but I don't think he's going to walk that many people either. And you know, I'm hearing you know they had a joke about this at the baseball benefit is that. His fastball is up at 90 now. Now, we'll see in practice what that fastball looks like. But uh, if he's pounding the zone with a you know even a high 80s fastball, I think you're going to feel pretty good about Danny Katz coming into a game. You know, pretty solid righty. I don't know if he can go five or six innings. Maybe five is the goal for, for Katz before they get to the bullpen. But he, you know, he's, he's going to – I think you know what you're going to get with him, and he's a pretty calm, composed pitcher on the mound. I mean, when you put a guy out there who hasn't – 
uh, who didn't have a, I, I don't know if he's had a start in his career, but I know he didn't have a start last year. Uh, there is always that worry uh, in terms of uh, length, especially with the first start of the season. So, yeah, if I'm Northwestern, you know, you're kind of testing things out here. Obviously, we didn't expect. It's, it's certainly a, a, you know, gamble is a strong word, but it's something that they haven't it's tried something before. New. Yeah. It's something new. And when you're, you know, a guy like Katz and a guy like Bader, these are not who we projected to be starters. These may not be the starters at the end of the year. I think Coach Allen is just, uh, you know, trying out a couple different things. I think he's going to be ready to go to the bullpen early on in this one. Uh, it also very much depends how the game goes. We'll talk about this later, obviously, but Nebraska-Omaha did not have a very successful season last year. If Northwestern can get out to a good start on them, that may uh, that may lead Coach Allen to let Cats go a little longer. It may lead him to, to just cut him off and consider it a, a good day uh, for, for the starter there. So it, with a guy unknown, untapped ability in terms of uh, starting potential, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how much of a leash he gives yeah. him. And then, you know, another complete unknown for us, Ryan Bader, really not in the conversation, I think, at the beginning of this year to be a starter. You know, Quinn Lavelle is also a first year, but, you know, Spencer Allen had said to me, this guy is like a, a, a lefty version of Hank Christie. Alex Arrow had said the two of them are, are really tight. They, they pitch similarly. You know, that was a name we kind of had in our radar as a guy that could come in and start. But Ryan Bader really came out of nowhere to, to get a starting job opening week. Now, remember, it's a long season, you know, again. And as you said, you know, Nebraska-Omaha is a team that you can, you know, throw and see what sticks, especially out of these first, this young team, the first two classes. But, you know, we none of us really saw this guy coming in. But that being said, he's got to have earned the faith of the pitching staff to be starting this game. Yeah, and uh, as you said, Amit, uh, Bader, a lo- uh, kind of a lankier lefty kind of. He's listed on the Northwestern website as 61180 on Prep Baseball six, Report. Yep. says he's 6'2", 162. A little so, bit of difference in weight yeah, there. That's, uh, Looking at this picture, I would tend a little closer to 162. I'll yeah, just say well, that. Well, 60 162 is really slight. But that's I mean, pretty skinny. Assuming that a year. 20 yeah, pounds, a, maybe? Get him in the Northwestern yeah, weight room? Yeah, he's had a year. Let's, let's split the difference. Out. He's probably around 170. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. that sounds right to me. Six, one and a half, yeah. 170, we'll say it at that. But yeah, Wisconsin native uh, online says his max fastball 88 goes from 85 to 87. So not an, uh, a, a, a really uh, hard thrower. But he was a lefty, curveball changeup. He's listed as having a knuckleball as well. That would be real interesting. 60 to 60 I, don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen a Northwestern pitcher bring a knuckleball. Crafty lefty, though. Hey, you never know. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd, stuff be, out. that'd be cool to see him, you know, throw a knuckleball, maybe like a two-strike situation here or there. But, yeah, so uh, yeah, so as you said, like really an unknown. But, you know, Northwestern, they've got the first series of the season. The benefit is everyone's healthy, at least as far as we know. Uh, maybe there's some guys not making the trip, but. You know, you have your full complement of guys able to go, and if one guy struggles from the get-go, you gotta. It's a whole team effort, you know, uh, out of the bullpen. And in the past, Northwestern, when they didn't have as many starters, have you have had basically had bullpen games. Yeah. So it's and that's something that Josh Reynolds is, is not afraid to do, as you said, yeah. Josh. You know, he's definitely a guy that's gonna go to his bullpen early and often. That's just his mentality. Let's look at the rest of these relievers. This is kind of the group we're tasked with today. I think it's best to, to start with, you know, their best guy last year. That was Sam Lawrence, the freshman last year, now a sophomore. Really came on at the end of the season as their, you know, fireman guy. You know, maybe number two behind Pete Hoffman. The two of them were the best relievers. But uh, this kid's the, I don't want to say kid. Sam Lawrence is the real deal. Really put out a lot of fires last year. Came in a lot of big situations. Got a lot of big outs. And I think, you know, I hope the expectation isn't too much, but he's going to have a lot on his shoulders this year. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, we, when we were calling the Purdue series last year, I remember Sam Lawrence came in, I think he had a multi-inning save in one of those games, his first career save, and yeah, he, as you said, like a fireman, he would come in for any number of innings, you know, one inning, three innings sometimes. Uh, so he, you know, he always, like, was the kind of like the... Yeah, pitched, when it, pitched five innings of shutout ball against Iowa, like... Yeah, so, I mean, when you see 23 appearances, no starts, 47 in the third innings, that really speaks to how many innings he's throwing yeah. for Yeah, whenever they right needed there. someone reliable for the last few innings of games, usually he was the first guy to go, yeah, in, and go in. You you look at his last four appearances of the season, did not give up a run, and the last three are really impressive. Pitched three innings against Michigan, one hit ball, no runs. One inning against uh, Minnesota, one hit ball, no runs. And Maryland, which he came in with to a bases-loaded situation, ended up going two innings, no runs. I mean, the amount of ability to just get out of these jam jams is really impressive for Lawrence. And, you know, he, they're going to ask him to step up even more. He's a lefty. Uh, he throws hard. He's got a pretty good off-speed pitch. I can't remember if it's a slider or a curveball exactly. But uh, he's going to go attack batters, and he's a guy that can rack up strikeouts. Led the team in ERA last year as well. Yeah, I mean, when this is a guy who, in addition to leading the team in ERA, you know, a solid strikeout-to-walk ratio, 24 Ks to 12 walks. And even more impressively to me, what kind of sticks out is only two home runs given up over 47 and a third innings. That's tied for the least home runs out of any Northwestern pitcher who pitched at least 20 innings last year, and he did it in 47 and a third. So that's, you know, uh, not, not giving up the long ball, not putting too many guys on base, just not making very many mistakes, and when you don't make when you don't make the the easy mistakes like giving up like like giving up home runs and walking guys, you you tend to have success. And he showed it, like you said, those last four starts uh, in some pressure situations. You know, in the Big Ten tournament, uh, I don't know if that series in Purdue that you talked about that probably wasn't one of those last four appearances, but uh, like some pressure some pressure situations, he really showed up uh, down the stretch, uh, which really bodes well for for him and the team this year. Yeah, Purdue, he yeah he was wrong pitched about three that. and a third. Gave up a run, but, you know, one run in three and a third innings in relief against a good Purdue team was pretty solid. I think that was one of the very close games. I just remember him pitching well. He, he did. He did pitch very he well. He pitched well, and I remember. Yeah, he, uh, he was pretty game. excellent. Um, you know, pitched well against Michigan State, too, three and two-thirds, just one run. So, you know, they expect a lot out of Sam this year. The question is, who really fills that second role as your next best reliever? You need, You can't just have one good reliever. That's not enough. Bullpen is all about depth. Uh, someone's got to kind of replace Pete Hoffman there. A lot of names on this roster. I think it's all to every, anyone has an opportunity to step up. You know, you look at there's kind of three upperclassmen on this team that you know as upperclassmen are going to be expected to be leaders. Why don't we start with Tommy Bordignon? Uh, he's the righty, 6'0", 188 senior. Uh, and the thing about Tommy is that multiple times the staff has said this guy has got major league stuff. He's got one of the best stuff in the Big Ten. He's got a you know a low to mid nineties fastball, a really good breaking ball. The problem for Tommy has always been his consistency hasn't always been there every year, and he can kind of let some appearances snowball uh, and give up those big innings, which have plagued Northwestern in the past. Josh, do you think that, that Tommy can have a really good year this year? I think he can, and as you said, we've seen it before from him. And when you just look at the stats last year, he really struggled. Uh, as you said, you know, the consistency just wasn't there, but the stuff always is there, and you can tell that because he always gets a lot of swings and misses, and he does give up runs. Uh, really, home runs aren't a problem with him. It's just the walks. Like, really, control, more, yeah. more walks than innings pitch is never what you want to see. And, yeah, I do think that uh, he's kind of... Letting it snowball is kind of a good... 
like an apt way to kind of describe his games because it was always that one bad inning I remember in his starts like he'd be fl- going fine for a few innings and then run into trouble in one inning and then the walks would pile up a big hit would uh, the other team would get a big hit and then you know there's four runs on the board and then he comes out and you know he's got to go back to the dugout after another bad start so that kind of yeah. can build on I mean each other. he's got the stuff to be a lights out reliever if he comes in the game I think the question for him is definitely the control not walking guys you talk about two years ago, uh, he had a pretty respectable 4-8-4 ERA for college baseball. That's pretty solid. Made 20 appearances, pitched almost 50 innings, and threw 34 strikeouts. So, you know, I think you maybe you want a little bit better than that, but even that would be solid from, from Tommy. We'll see what he can do this year. You know, he's going to get some opportunities. Everyone in the bullpen is going to have their shot. Um, if, he plays, if he pitches well, it gives Northwestern, you know, a real one-two punch out of the bullpen with Sam Lawrence and Tommy Bourdain. Uh, looking at the rest, uh, the, the other two, you know, upperclassmen guys that have kind of been there, the two seniors as well, uh, I mean, is J.R. Reimer and, and Rich Forden. Let's start with J.R. Reimer, the righty. Um, you know, yesterday at the press conference uh, that, ba- that the baseball team had, you know, Spencer Allen said J.R. Reimer could be a guy that comes and closes out games. Now, you may look at his stats and go, wait a second, what? His ERA in three years, 972, 1012, 868. Those aren't good numbers, you know. He would tell you that. But you look at last year, 15 strikeouts, 18 innings. He's a strikeout pitcher, Josh. I mean, that's got to be what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll believe Jarrah Reimer closing out games when I see it. Uh, As you said, you know, like he just wasn't really too good last year. Another guy who walks were a big problem with. But, you know, Northwestern, like they don't have – as as strong as the recruiting classes have been, and we've definitely seen the influx of pitching talent, there's still, you know, we haven't seen, we haven't, like, uh, there's a lot of unproven guys, I guess, kind of at the latter end of the ball. But maybe if you take out Sam Lawrence, as you said, really reliable last year. But, you know, he does have the stuff. I mean, all these guys have the stuff. You know, it's a question of throwing, getting the ball over the plate and, you know, not making, forcing the other team to make the mistakes instead of you making them yourself. And I think the thing that Coach Allen is looking towards when he says, when he talks about Reimer's closer ability, is those strikeouts in it, but also to an extent those walks as well. You know, closer yeah, it, is a position. It hurt you. Closer is of. a position where you don't want guys to put the ball in play, you know, or not a position, obviously, a role where, and obviously, you can't walk more guys than you strike out. It doesn't really matter where you're pitching. 22 walks, 15 strikeouts, that's not going to get the job done. But uh, Reimer, he, he did a good job last year of not letting guys put the ball in play too much off of him. Now, gave up, gave up a good amount of hits when they did uh, put the ball in play. But uh, but just one home run over those 18 and two-thirds innings. Uh, and even only five doubles, which isn't too great. But again, like not letting guys yeah. hit the ball for power. And, and part of that shows that stuff. If he can keep those walks a little bit more under control, kind of harness those a little bit more, uh, it gives him an opportunity to not let up runs because he's, he's done a better job of not letting guys... Uh, the ball for power so if he can just clean up those walks a little bit he does give you what what you're looking for partially at least in a closer position which is an ability to you know not allow the hits to start coming from from that from those even those middle of the lineup guys and that's something that we saw even in a down year last year so he has to clean up the walks that's for sure but he does i think have the potential at least to be a closer type pitcher yeah you look at his appearances last year he threw a scoreless inning against arizona state threw a scoreless inning against milwaukee threw a scoreless inning against penn state now, obviously, there are a lot of other performances that you wish you had back, but there are signs there of him being able to come in, get it in, and get you out of it. 
you know, maybe strike one or two guys out. That's got to be the key for him this year. You kind of look at a similar type of player, a lefty, I don't want to say version of J.R. Reimer, but certainly a guy that's going to come in and hopefully give you a strikeout. It's Richard Ford at 6'3", 225. Um, you know, Rich is a, is a big guy and he throws hard for a lefty. Question is the same for him, you know. Can he get his strikeouts up, 27 strikeouts in 40 innings uh, last year, but also limit those walks? Last year had 26 walks. That's got to be uh, the goal for, for Rich Ford. And then obviously, you know, I'm not, I don't need to read his ERA off again. It's not going to help. But he's a guy that if he comes in, throws some strikeouts, is another tool you can have. I think he's kind of the same thing you're looking for there. Yeah, and a lot, he was used a lot last year as, you know, that one batter situational type of guy like North well you saw that a lot from Northwestern there could be innings where four Northwestern pitchers went in a game especially uh if it was a close one you know going uh batter by batter and that that uh, accounts for the 13 and two-thirds innings pitch in the 18 appearances and when you're that type of lefty you know you're coming in to get out with the other team's big lefty you know a walk doesn't necessarily <coughs> kill your team but you know that's when like a big double play or uh, a strikeout, as you said, is important. So the stat, the ERA with him is kind of, it's not fluky because it's it, kind of it, you could chalk it up to the times when they let yeah. him just pitch and go. He gave some runs, and it doesn't account all the times he came in, got it out, and then kind of yeah, bounced. like yeah. a, a pitcher like that is when you don't throw the ERA out the window because it's important and it tells you a lot about how their season was. But it, it really doesn't. It's a good example of when the ERA doesn't tell the whole story. Now I, I just want to clear something up really quick. Uh, I haven't. I didn't watch a lot of the. I didn't watch a ton of the team last season. But you said uh, the walk numbers. I'm a little bit confused about here because I'm looking at the 2017 stats and it says he only walked seven guys. Yeah, I don't know where I, where I saw that. So that that is a good sign for me. Again, this is not a guy that I've watched too much. Sorry, of. he had 20. He has 26 walks total. 27 strikeouts in his career. Okay. Those numbers were his career. So last numbers. year, last year was I, I should definitely specify this last year: 16 strikeouts, seven walks. So the walks isn't even as much of a problem, you know. Sixteen strikeouts in for yeah, and and this thirteen speaks to innings this is a really good rate. And this speaks to for me the bigger problem last year was was even just singles. I mean, twenty four hits in thirteen and two thirds innings is just very very bad. Like I don't need to tell you that. That's almost two hits an inning, uh, especially as a reliever. You can't come in and be giving up two hits an inning. And out of those twenty four hits, twenty of them were singles. So he's just giving up. And I again, I didn't watch enough of it to say whether that's batted ball luck. But it, it, to a certain extent, it had to have been in that small of a sample size. To give up 20 singles in, in that short span of time speaks a lot to me of, of, of ground ball luck. And, and, of course, we don't have a, the type of advanced numbers uh, for these guys that, that, that they do in the majors in terms of uh, batting average on balls in play and, uh, and line drive percentage and stuff like that. But that just looks to me, jumping out on the, out, on the page or on the screen in this case, as, as 20 singles in 13 and two, two-thirds innings as a little bit of an outlier, and if he can get those hits under control, again, this is another guy that has the making of the makings of a of a guy who can come in and be a consistent outgetter. Uh, just again, has to clean a couple things up. But the strikeout numbers are again very encouraging, like you said. Yeah. So two of the other guys um, that we're going to talk about returning is uh, Tyler Lass, at, is the other junior kind of returning, and then also as well Nick Cawley, the sophomore. Again. You know, Matt Ginn, Josh Levy, nominally going to be in the bullpen, at least to start. We talked about them last week. Go listen to that if you want some info. Let's start with Tyler Last, the junior. Uh, pretty hard-throwing righty. Has a pretty funky delivery. He's one of, If you watch him, you'll know exactly uh, what, what I'm talking about. Um, didn't see a, a lot last year 
necessarily really high leverage situations. But, um, you know, the numbers on the surface are solid. 3-9-2 ERA, pitched 20 uh, and two-thirds innings, o- only gave up nine runs. He, he, he's a, not a overpower. Oh, he had some good strikeouts. Sorry, 17 strikeouts. So he's going to come in, throw hard as a righty, and, and get some guys out. You know, he's kind of been a quiet name, I think, for the last few years because he he's never been the first or second or third guy out of the bullpen, but he throws hard. You know, I think he's a dark horse kind of this year. If he impresses up early in the season, he could see a lot of time as this thing goes on. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, the innings, like, he wasn't, like, rarely used, but he kind of wasn't, like you said, he wasn't really in, like, the close games uh, at the end of games or really kind of yeah. like, soaked up a lot of innings. And obviously we don't, we couldn't say as to why the coaching staff thinks that, but it, it's definitely reasonable to think that, you know, he did perform pretty well last year, so it, it's not unreasonable to think his role expands. Now, to me, this is this is a little bit of an opposite case of, of Forden, who, who who gave up a lot of a lot of singles, uh, and had didn't have a lot of success in terms of ERA numbers. Last gave up a three twenty nine batting average in those twenty innings, but managed still to limit the damage to three nine two and part uh, to a three nine two ERA. And part of that speaks to an ability to get out of uh, self created jams, which obviously bodes well. Part part of that is luck in just getting allowing hits uh, at the right times, and and it's been shown that that uh, that giving up those hits kind of quote in the right times unquote is is more of a function of luck than anything else. Now, not necessarily in this small sample size uh, of just twenty two thirds innings, but that is something to keep an eye on uh, in terms of he needs to clean up that you can't you can't be allowing a batting an opponent batting average over three hundred uh, at at any level. Uh, so that is that is something to keep an eye on as as he starts this year and maybe a reason why he wasn't placed in as many high leverage games, uh, high leverage situations yeah. last year. It'll be interesting to see you know when his number is called early in the season, how he performs, if it earns him more time on the mound. And all of these guys we talked about, or at least these last four, none of them had a ton of work last year uh, in terms of like twenty innings here, twenty innings there. None of these guys really worked that much uh, this year. All of these guys are going to see expanded roles. Uh, we talked about how Lawrence is going to lead the way for the bullpen, but all of these other guys are going to need to step up uh, with 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 some uh, veterans departing. Uh, so it is going to be interesting to see in expanded roles with a bigger sample size, which way these numbers level out. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, and it's hard to say at this point. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we, again, this whole point of these preview stuff is we're just speculating. We have our best guesses. Baseball is a weird sport. Yep. Tell you talk to us in four weeks, and we're going to be talking about some stuff that. And a full none of season, us, none of us know. Yeah, a full knows? season can cure a lot of what ails you yeah. a lot of the time, especially in college. Yeah. Let's talk about Nick Colley, the last returner here in the in the bullpen, a sophomore. Numbers were not spectacular last season. A seven eight four ERA. A lot of that is a uh, you know he pitched one inning in the Big Ten title game against Iowa and gave up three runs. Uh, I think it was a little unfair to throw him in, but they were literally out of arms at that point because they had exhausted it during their run to the title. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not really going to hold that against him. You look at the rest of his performances, um, there are some solid numbers in there through a scoreless inning against Indiana, scoreless inning against Chicago State. Um, and then the other numbers are, are less good, but they're not necessarily troubling. I think the thing for him is it's a, one of the small sample sizes through 10 and a third innings last year. So it's going to be really, again, same thing. What's he going to do in his time this year? I think the slate is pretty clean for Nick Cawley because – Last year, he just really did not pitch that much. Yeah, and the problem with him is that he's not really too hard of a thrower. So, and I think we 
And you were talking about batting average against opponents batted 429 against him. What that actually means is up to you to interpret. But his problem is like you know when guys make do make contact, it tends to be not weak contact. It tends to be hard hit contact for base hits and extra base hits. So you know I mean that the book is kind of clear on him. You know you kind of know what you get with Nick and With him, maybe it's just. You know, getting more ground balls or getting more pop-ups can make a big difference in how his results turn out. Yeah, having a having a pitch that guys can't get to at, with any kind of regularity is so key. Uh, or not with any kind of regularity, but having a, 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 a at least some form of put-away pitch is so key. And he kind of demonstrated that he didn't really have one last year. Again, this is early in his career. He has plenty of time to mature yeah, and, and grow. I mean, I, the thing for him, you got to get the fastball velocity up. Got to sure, get the fastball yeah. velocity up because if you can't throw that fastball by guys and guys are always on that fastball, those heavy hitters are just going to catch up to it. And that we see a lot of those guys in the Big Ten. I don't know. I don't remember exactly if he gave up a home run in that Iowa game, but that's that's a lineup. Well, he, he did give up he a gave home, up a home run. run. That's yeah. a lineup that has guys, if they catch up to your fastball, they're going to hit it a long way, you know? And, and that there's a lot of those lineups, those type of lineups in the Big Ten. So something he has to, whether it's getting that fastball velocity up or even – you know, making that curveball, making that breaking pitch a little bit nastier. There just has to be a pitch that you can get a swing and miss on or get guys to be a little bit off on with some kind of regularity. Otherwise, you're just going to get hit hard. That's the nature of Big Ten baseball. Yeah, agree with you there, Noah. Let's close out this segment kind of with the, the freshmen that we haven't talked about. So you heard us talk about Ryan Bader, the three other first-year pitchers, Jack Pagliarini, um, Charlie Bourbon, Willie Bourbon's brother, and Anthony Alepra. Let's start with the lefty, Jack Pagliarini. Um, I think, Noah, or Josh, you, you, you kind of know a little bit about what to preview here for us. What can we expect from this guy? 6'1", 190 from Ohio. Had a, a really good high school stats. Yeah, and uh, kind of a similar frame to Ryan Bader. Maybe not as lanky, but another lefty. Pretty tall, fastball, uh, high 80s, curveball, changeup. Pretty hard, uh, if these uh, numbers are a pretty hard curveball and hard changeup, Curveball ranging 74 to 79 yeah, so. miles an hour and change up 76 to 80 miles an hour. Maybe we don't know how accurate that is, but at, uh, you know, uh, the stuff might be good. Yeah. yeah. The control is probably. Yeah. yeah. And usually you like to see a little bigger of uh, a dip in velocity, you know, between those pitches to kind of throw uh, hitters uh, kind of uh, off base. But yeah, it looks like pretty good stuff. And yeah, Ohio, uh, another lefty. And we've seen Northwestern definitely doesn't have a dearth of lefties, you know, so there's a lot of guys there we don't really know. Maybe Pagley yeah, could and go the thing for him is he had his high school stats, a .67 ERA in 40 and a third innings. But uh, the big thing is 43 strikeouts in a season and a whip of 1.19. I think if he's going to – he's kind of going to come in and be a guy like, hey, let's get some strikeouts, rack up those numbers, you know, throw me a scoreless inning in a, in a semi-close game. And again, Josh, a lefty situational I think is going to be the, the best scenario for Jack to see some playing time. Yeah, and – the high school numbers do look good. Obviously, it's tough to you yeah. know, translate them. Yeah, but we don't know. You know, yeah. those high school environments, it's really tough. But what it does say is that he gets swings and misses, and that is yeah. at the base. Obviously, you go to college is a lot different, but you want to see guys getting swings and misses. Swing and miss, and swing and miss. Especially for Northwestern, you know, uh, it's not an overpowering staff by any means. So anyone that can come in and reliably, you know, get a big out, strike out, <laughs> especially when guys are on base, that's that's huge, and it makes a big difference in a lot of close games. Uh, talking about the last two first years here, we'll start with Charlie Bourbon, uh, Willie Bourbon's brother, uh, righty, 6'0", 190, exact same build as Jack Pagliarini. Um, he had some pretty good hitting 
stats. Yeah, some, some very good hitting stats. Yeah, but uh, no, why don't you tell us about Charlie Bourbon? Uh, local kid. He talked about how he's Willie Bourbon's little brother. Uh, went to Stevenson High School, uh, just about an hour away from us, uh, down on the down on the southwest side or west side, southwest side. I'm going to call it of of, uh, of the Chicago suburbs. Uh, and yeah, had some had some success there. You talked about. Uh, his his batting average in non league play last year was 350 with a 458 on base and a 550 slugging. So this is clearly a guy who can hit, but pitching obviously more important to Northwestern. He's been recruited as a pitcher. Uh, he isn't a very hard thrower, which is a little bit surprising for a guy with his build. But according this is according to Prep Baseball Report, his max fastball is only 84 miles an hour. I would guess he could probably get it up a little higher than that. Uh, some of these seem to be a little bit underreported, but. Yeah, a, a three pitch guy. He's got he's got a breaking a consistent breaking pitch uh, and a pretty fast changeup. It looks like that changeup topping out about high seventies. So uh, not not a lot of variety in terms of speed, which is something that you like to see with a guy who pitches a little slower. The speeds are all kind of clumped together, so that's not uh, a great sign. But it seems as if he's more of a project type of guy. From this, I, I like to look at the perfect game reports. That's one of the kind of scouting industries for. For, for high school level guys and and they they see him as more of a project uh, more of a type of project player maybe uh, I don't know if he red shirts but with with the with the state of the staff but 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 uh, a guy that you're that you're not necessarily looking to contribute quite as much uh, this year he has the strength um, and he has he has the pitches just needs to uh, kind of get a little bit more seemingly needs to get a little bit more consistent uh, in his usage of those pitches is his fastball again is just Right now, it's just it's just not as hard as it needs to be to be yeah. a consistent college pitcher. For sure, we'll see what role he gets. Um, you know, again, the bullpen is full of a lot of guys that haven't proven themselves. So my theory is that everyone's going to get a shot in the first three or four weeks of the season. We'll we'll see. You know how much Charlie Burman gets. He might be one of those guys that might have to wait a little bit to get his his chance. Um, last reliever here, Anthony Lepra, the freshman. No, I know you know him personally. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, well, first of all, Anthony uh, had recently had surgery on his uh, right knee, I believe it was. Pardon me, Anthony, if, you're getting, if I'm getting it wrong. Wrong the the knee wrong for a for a minor uh, meniscus uh, tear, I think it was, and he's gonna be out for for two to three weeks, maybe about a month. He's gonna miss definitely gonna miss this upcoming trip. So, not as much of a current pitcher, but he will be back down the line. Uh, kid from Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, 6'3", 175 to 180 pounds. Again, depends on which site you're looking at. Uh, but the fat, the, the tallest, I should say, out of all of the freshmen. Righty, who his fastball sits at about 86. He can get a little higher than that. Uh, but that's where he normally sits. Throws also uh, a slider and a changeup. Uh, it seems as though his speeds are do. Uh, he, he's good at mixing speeds. That changeup sits about mid-70s. One of the things that jumped out in the perfect game report was was that he was able to mix speeds uh, well with the with the slider. More of a nine to four break on it is what they say. Uh, kind of a cross a cross break with, with that combines well with the running fastball to kind of create every every pitch has has motion, including that changeup, which which cuts. One thing that jumps out to me with his with his numbers is in perfect for perfect game uh, playing for the perfect game Iowa Select team, which is typically tougher competition than your regular uh, high school ball. Uh, of .40 ERA in 52 innings over 2015 and 2016 seasons, so that just jumps out as as very good, uh, especially you know for for that type of travel team for that type of uh, select team. You're typically playing against very good competition, and to keep that the ERA that low uh, certainly bodes well uh, for him. 
Another guy who, who showed some ability batting as well, obviously won't be hitting very much for Northwestern, uh, but batted 364 and had an on-base percentage of 466 with 15 stolen bases. Uh, Could be a pinch runner situation. Yeah, hey, his 60. You never know. I believe they, I believe they have a 60 at 669. And that's actually something I was going to say about Bader. Bader was clocked in a 60 at 661, I think it said. Yeah, wow. Which sounds almost wrong. It's so fast. Some good uh, athletes. So, so some, good ath- some good athletes in the pitcher position. Uh, yeah, Boswell, if you, need a, if you need a pinch runner, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's always good to be athletic off the mound, especially, you know, pitching defense. Uh, especially with more bunts in the college game than at the, uh, certainly more than at the pro level, the bunting is very important. You need to be able to field your position, and that athleticism does bode well for that. But, yeah, this is a guy he can strike people out, um, had 70 strikeouts in his junior season of high school, and he showed with the ERA in the all-star, in the travel play that, that he has had significant success at the lower level. Uh, so, he yeah, his, I think he's going to be uh, a guy who can definitely play a role this season for this team. I think he has the ability right now to, to, to step in and be a pitcher who gets some outs for this Northwestern team. Definitely. It's going to be one of those position groups. There's a lot of question marks, I think, more than anything else, any other group heading into this season. It's, we're going to find a lot about, about the relievers here. That wraps up our final preview segment of all these preseason podcasts. Let's uh, preview this series, though, this weekend. Nebraska, Omaha, the Mavericks, Heading to Glendale to face Northwestern four games this weekend. Uh, here's the thing about the Mavericks, guys. Their record last year was not very good, but they have a lot of guys this year that are JUCO transfers that we don't know a lot about. Yeah, is there? So kind of, it's one of those situations where the team is really different every season. As you said, you know, twelve and forty last year, uh, really not good. They lost the first game last season against UNLV, twenty to three. So if that. Uh, trend continues maybe Northwestern's <laughs> in for a big win on Friday but yeah I mean we don't really know that much about Omaha but when you have these Juco guys it's kind of like in college basketball where you have a team that has a lot of transfers like a, you look at like an SMU or whatever so these guys are maybe a little more developed than a typical freshman coming in but it's kind of a patchwork from a bunch of different schools so you know it's kind of a wild card as to as as <coughs> yeah. uh, according to what you're going to see yeah they were picked fifth to fifth to pick to finish fifth in the Summit League, which is not a great baseball league. You know, you look about last year, Air Force was uh, in the Summit League, and they were not that good. So I don't know what that tells you. Northwestern took two out of three, but definitely wasn't miles better than Air Force. So that kind of maybe Omaha's in that level of a team. Fifth is fine. They uh, have a, a few, one player that's uh, a player to watch, Thomas De, De Bonville. I don't know if I'm, I'm saying that right. Uh, and then, sorry, Thomas. Sorry, Thomas, if you're listening. And then <laughs> Gr- Grant Suponchik is their best returning hitter. Hit 287 last year, was solid. I mean, on base percentage 374. No one on this team hit spectacularly well. Uh, you know, out of their guys that played the most, their lowest guy was about 237. So they're all within a narrow range. Uh, we don't really, we don't really know what we're going to see from these guys. And their pitching staff is, is again another big unknown. Last yeah, year yeah. didn't really have any good good guys pitching. Maybe in the well, they're two really, they're two main starters. Yeah. The guys, the only guys on the team, yeah. who started that more quali- than six that, games that, that qualified for being starters. Yeah, both graduated. I yeah, think. so so they have, have no really guys no on the team. What's gonna happen? Because no guys on the team started more than six games last year. So not really much of a clue. Uh, we know Cal Hankey is one guy. Maybe 
who had 5.50 ERA, which, again, doesn't sound great, but for a team that played a lot of, obviously, better teams in a 12-40 season and gave up a lot of runs, 5.50, actually not that bad. Uh, made 13 appearances uh, through, thir- through 34 innings. You know, maybe maybe that's uh, with 32 strikeouts, so that's a guy maybe who could be on, in, on tap for, for a starter job uh, this year, a, a rising junior. I believe Peyton Kinney, unless he graduated as well, uh, no, Peyton Kenny will be a senior this year, and he's another guy. He had 388 ERA, only started three games last year, but again, with the dearth of starters, he did throw 51 innings. That's a guy who looks like he could step into a starter role with 56 strikeouts in those 59 innings. So those are their two top, well, looking like their two top guys returning. Again, some of those Duco guys, I think two or three of them are, are coming into the pitching yeah. uh, staff in some res- some regards. So we don't really have any clue what we're going to see with those with that rotation. But Hanky and Kinney look like two potential starters for this weekend. Yeah, the interesting last year is that they they changed their head coach like a month before the season, and I don't th- as Josh mentioned they did not start the season very well. The whole <laughs> season was was definitely not great. But you know it's really interesting Evan Porter what he could do uh, in his time as a coach. Um, you know he he was an assistant coach with them for the four years before that. So definitely a familiar face, uh, and, he, and he played there as well from 2005 to 2009. So he's kind of a an Omaha guy through and through. Drafted by the Phillies, um, yeah, didn't really ever really get to play with them, kind of played in Europe, which is an interesting career path to take. But uh, either case, I think this is going to be a, you know, a solid team. I think if you're looking for comps to last year's schedule, I think they're going to be in between the Portland Pilots and the Santa Clara Broncos in terms of their talent level. Now, Northwestern did not you know do admirably against those two teams last year. But I think Northwestern would tell you that if they went back and played them now, they would get the better of them pretty handily. You know, expectations for this weekend, guys. You think Northwestern, the expectation is a clean sweep or at least three? What, what is it? I think they go. Or, you sorry, go, you go for it. Uh, yeah, considering Northwestern started last year 0-7, uh, you know, Northwestern's got to win two of these games. That's, what I'm That's gonna, your I'm bottom big, line. You have to win two. That's my big proclamation. I mean, <laughs> obviously, as we said, we don't know so much about Nebraska-Omaha, but... You know, you Northwestern. A lot of guys are coming back. Uh, you know, really, most of the core is intact still. I mean, you lost some players uh, on the fringes, but really, not the core of the team is still there. And last year started the year off with three pretty close games against a perennial powerhouse in Arizona State, all losses, but you know, played well to start off. And now you're playing a team that won 12 games last year. I think you got to take at least you got to at least get a split, in my opinion. I think, yeah, especially when you look at the schedule, the way it breaks down for Northwestern is they have these four, and then immediately they have eight straight games against clearly better caliber teams in three with Kansas, a four-gamer with Texas, and then UIC. So coming into that kind of that, that tougher, definitely tougher eight-game slate, uh, you, I feel like, I, don't say, I, won't, I won't say you need to win three, but it, I think it's a good expectation to take three. You never can really expect a four-game sweep in any kind of college baseball series, Talent-wise, they should be able to take all four, but uh, you never know what what can happen with one game. We mentioned that crazy NL- UNLV blowout of, of Omaha last year, and then Nebraska Omaha went and took the third game from them eight to two. So, you know, of course, in college baseball, anything can happen on a game by game basis. But I think if Northwestern doesn't take three out of four, it's not like a, a season killer by any means. Of course, it's college baseball. It's a long schedule, fifty plus games. Uh, so, so there's plenty to go after that. But if you don't take three, then you're you're coming in. If you don't at least win the series, you're coming into a tough s- stretch, and it just puts you in a bad spot uh, early. Again, they don't want to start the season off slowly the way they did last year. 
you want to you want to get some wins in the early going just to boost your confidence if nothing else. So I think three is just what's it, they need three to be to feel good about the the way they're they're headed into that that tough eight game stretch. Yeah, I think that's a good good way to end it there. Two for sure, as Josh said, you can't do worse than that. Three to feel good. Four would be icing on the cake to start the season. Guys, we're so excited. We're just two days away. Will Greer will have all four games on the call this weekend. Our sports director uh, gonna do us gonna do us well on the air. Make sure you tune into those. At least one of them. Friday's game will be on the air. The other Friday night. I'm engineering. Row. Noah Kaufman is engineering from the studio here in Evanston. Should be going. I heard Noah. You got some great bumps prepared. Oh yeah. So make sure. Oh yeah. Definitely. You tune into Maybe that not. one. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming on. Josh Byrne, Noah Kaufman. This is the last preview podcast of Rounding the Bases. And now, for the first time this season, we have our exclusive interview with Spencer Allen. Hi, I'm Amit Malik of WNUR Sports, and very thrilled for the first time in 2018, joined by Northwestern baseball head coach Spencer Allen uh, ahead of the baseball season this year. Coach, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Really excited to be talking to you. You know, hopefully every week uh, in these interviews as part of our podcast, we're going to tack them on at the end. Uh, we did that last year, thought it worked really well, and uh, we're excited to be back this year. Coach, uh, let's get into it. We kind of talked to you in the fall, maybe right around when the schedule came out, uh, and I kind of want to check in kind of where the team is at since then. What's been the off se- What's the offseason been like in the, in the winter months for your team kind of just getting ready for opening day? For sure. Well, it, it's an exciting time. And, and first, I, I want to thank you guys and WNUR for your your podcast, your coverage. It, it's really been awesome. But, uh, you know, this has is, is really been a, an important time for us. We, we look at the year as a whole, especially, you know, just starting with our pitching staff. You know, we, we really shut our pitchers down in the summer as far as throwing. Uh, so they're lifting hard. Um, and so our, our winter is very important, even on, on a pitching side of things, is they're um, probably ramped up a little bit more than most programs. So even in through November, they're facing hitters uh, because they weren't facing hitters in the summer. Um, and, and so it, it, we felt like it, it's really helped us um, it, it be strong at the end. And, and that's, that's something that, that we have to, have to continue to do. So I think we're in a good shape. Uh, they, they've gotten stronger in the weight room. Um, stayed healthy, <laughs> not knock on wood. We got two more days of practice, um, but we, we, we stayed relatively healthy and, and uh, just ready to, ready to roll. Obviously, you played those fall ball games in the fall, you know, but how is, what's the best way for your team to get game ready ahead of opening day, especially for your, your first years that this is going to be their first collegiate baseball series? Yeah, I think, number one, you know, our, our indoor setup is really good. So we and we we tweaked our, our practice a little bit just to get a, a, a little bit more, um, you know, pitcher, catcher, batter and and. Uh, making sure that if our pitchers are, are throwing, that they're not just throwing bullpens, that they're always at least having a batter stand in. Uh, most of the time, they're um, you know they're they're live, and so I think that's just been been the biggest thing. And then you know experience. You you, you always talk about you you can't um, really buy experience. You know you just have to you have to go through it. And I think we we have a lot of guys as far as especially on the position side of the ball, who, who have just gone through it. And, and that just can really, can really help, uh, especially that first weekend. What's this group uh, kind of chemistry-wise been in the offseason? You know, every year is a new group of guys, something you've, you've talked about in the past. Uh, it looked like last year you guys really came together, especially by the end of the season. But before that, it was, it was a good team off the field. You know, how has this team kind of 
developing off the field to get ready for a season, a long season, you know, building those bonds. Yeah, I think I think poised is probably one of one of the the, the best words I can use, and and I, I have to credit our our juniors and senior class of, of really showing the way on, on how to go about things. Um, even I look at our, our our first year players as well as our sophomore players, and um, they, they they just have a. a professional way about them um, you know coming in every day getting your work in and going out and not that they're they're perfect each day and some days maybe they have a little more energy than others but they, they just really understand uh, the importance of of the preparation and, and now it's it's test time you know kind of looking big picture at the season obviously we, we did this in the fall and you know what your expectations are but maybe kind of just reiterating you know what this program is looking to do in the season obviously following up on a great end to last season. Well, what are you guys looking to do? Yeah, I think it starts, you know, we talked about it a bit, but, but consistency. Uh, so I think that this first weekend, um, we have to set a bar. Um, it's not so much about the wins and losses, but we have to set a bar of, of just how we're going to go about playing. And, and we talk about it all the time of uh, not playing the opponent, but just playing the game and really trying to dominate the game of baseball. Um, and, and so I, I think that's just going to be really the, the biggest thing. If, if we can uh, maintain our level and, and find a level of consistency, uh, I, I think that that's really going to help us. And, and it starts on the mound. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. Last year when we started playing uh, better, uh, it, it was just the consistency on the mound. We knew what we were going to get from guys. And so hopefully, again, we can parlay a lot of that experience that we do have mixed in with, with a couple new guys, but really parlay that experience that we have and, and become a little bit more consistent ball club. What's the, the message to the team to start the season strong? I know last year you guys didn't have the start you wanted, and I think that's been a focus for you and the staff uh, in the offseason. Is it specifically about the start, or is it kind of just you know handle every game the same the whole way? Yeah, you know, I, I think the, the, the message, and again, this is, I know it's a little cliche, but, but really just making sure that we're handling the, the, the process. I, I think the, the, the message now turns a little bit more to the, the mental side of it, making sure that, that we're ready to, to handle some of the adversities that come, whether it's, you know, travel, it's umpires, just, just all of those things that, uh, and, and even schoolwork, you know, just, just really managing now all of those things. This is where that time management really comes in. So, I, and again, and, and I, I think that the good thing is, is when we're talking about this message, you know, a lot of this message is coming from within. And that's, you know, when we, when we saw the, the team take off, uh, you know, last, last spring, it, it was from within. Those guys really just took a hold of that thing. So it, it's, it's a combo of, of the coaching staff, but, but as well as amongst themselves. Every team kind of has some unknowns and some things that they know that they're, they feel comfortable in going to the season. You know, what are some questions that you are looking to have answered in the first few series of the season that are going to be important to figure out? Well, I think the, the thing that we, um, when we were looking at the lineup, so starting on, on the offensive side of things, when we were looking at the lineup last year, we, you know, we finally got to the point just said, hey, we're going to play our most competitive guys. Who, who's having, and we had a lot of debate on it. It's not always easy, but we're, you know, who's having the most competitive at bat? So I, I think that's going to be the thing, uh, not, you know, who's got power, who's stealing. It's just who, who can be competitive on the baseball field. Uh, and again, that, that's it, it's like, yeah, well, duh, right. But um, sometimes you, you can kind of look past those things. You're trying to look at the matchups, right, left, and you're trying to look at all these things. And we kind of 
eventually just threw that out the window and said, hey, who, who, who can compete for us? That's going to be one thing. And then, um, you know, with the pitching uh, of, you know, we, we feel like we've got a pretty good idea of what roles are going to be, but, um, you know, j- just who falls where, I, I think, are just some of the, the, the two things that I'd really uh, like to find out sooner rather than, than later. Um, you're talking about the pitching a bit. Um, you have any idea of what the rotation is going to look like for this weekend? Yeah, so I, I think we're going to start off with uh, Hank Christie. So Hank will, will start uh, our, our Friday game. Um, Danny Katz, Ryan Bader, uh, whether Danny throws uh, uh, the first game Saturday, Ryan Bader, freshman, will throw the second game Saturday. We may flip-flop them, but... Uh, and then um, Quinn Lavelle, freshman Quinn Lavelle, will, will start uh, on... Uh, on, on Sunday, so that that's that's the rotation for for this weekend against Omaha. Kind of talking not just about pitching, but you know, extension of the previous question I asked is how do you integrate all these freshmen in? You talked about it getting ready, but you know, when it actually comes to playing time, making sure you're setting them up in roles that they feel comfortable in. Yeah, that, you hit it on the head. I, I think you know, at, at times last year, maybe threw a couple guys in to the wolves a little too early, but but really, I mean, it it, it started last year, and we we talked. You know, we just. Uh, announced, I guess, our, our recruiting class, and and we're literally uh, we're talking to these guys about this right now. About hey, in a year, guys, you're you're going to be jumping on a plane, um, and you have to mentally prepare yourself not to go out and you know have some success at high school, but you have to start preparing for that right now. And and we did the same thing with these guys. So again, you never know if they're completely ready, but the mental side of things um, is is just they're they're they've got talent. It's just who can kind of get up to speed and, and get that self belief uh, quick enough. And and um, so I I think that that's where we just have as coaches have to trust that the the process of this whole year has prepared them for for this this moment. Talking about this weekend specifically, it's a really cool opportunity to go play Camelback Ranch Stadium home of White Sox and Dodgers spring training. How did this whole thing come about? You know, obviously something your team is, I'm sure, super fired up about. Yeah, well, you know, my first year, I, we had the opportunity to go and play at Sloan Park with the Cubs. And, and you know, I, I mentioned, you know, just how cool of an experience it was to, to Dr. Phillips. And Dr. Phillips uh, made a call. He, I think he knows uh, someone uh, <laughs> up pretty high with, with, with the Dodgers. And so, you know, we, we are just so thankful of, of the Dodgers and White Sox and Mr. Walter, what, what he's done. Uh, for our university, but but then just for this opportunity. I mean, when you get a chance to see this field, um, it, it's just it's just great. And and I want to give a special thanks to Jeff Overton, the GM of Camelback Ranch, as well. Uh, he's sending me pictures every week, and he just says the field is in great shape. So it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun fun weekend for the guys. And then talking about Nebraska Omaha specifically, program that didn't necessarily have the best year last year, but they are returning some talent. You know, this is the early season, too, so they're looking to set the tone for themselves. What are you expecting uh, from, from their side this weekend? Yeah, you know, at my, my time when I was at Creighton, I, I, we, we played uh, Nebraska-Omaha every year, and, and they're, they are a scary club in the sense that they, they're a heavy junior college recruiting. And so, you know, a lot of these guys, this is not going to be their first 
rodeo. Um, uh, you, a lot of times, very, very good hitting team. Uh, and, and then they have guys that go on the mound and, and compete. And so every time we would play uh, Omaha, it was always a, a battle. And, and we're, we're, we're expecting that th this weekend. They, you know, they, they came off a, a coaching change. Uh, Evan Porter is now the head coach, was a really good player, played prof professionally as well. Um, and so sometimes when you have a coaching change, you know, last year there, there's a little bit of a, um, you know, just transition. And, and I, I think they're having that. I, I think they're going to be much better this year. So it's going to be a, a good test for us early. What is your team looking specifically to do this weekend? You talked about in, you know, the questions you wanted to solve, kind of what you're looking for. But is there any other specific things, you know, in these four games that you really want to see from your team? I, I think the, 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 big, the one thing for me is just going to be play discipline. We talk about it a lot is our, our ability to walk. Uh, and then when we do walk, we have a little bit more team speed. Um, and so when we when we create some some free stuff, I think it just takes the pressure off of hey, I got to hit the double or I have to hit you know a home run. Um, I, I think th that's going to really be the, the key. And then if we can get leads, I, I think it, it allows us to play with with some some confidence and and give some of our our, our younger. Uh, freshman starters an opportunity to relax and just you know playing with, with the lead so I think I think that's going to be important is just play discipline and and then just on the other side is just setting the tone and pounding the zone um, yeah, the ability to throw strikes we, we've we've done a great job inside and so we're just really looking for that to, to transfer over talking also about the fielding as well you know something that's uh you guys were very good at last year you know how do you just feel about your team's capacity to to carry over what they did because I know that Josh Reynolds talked a lot about to his pitchers, you know, trust your, your guys in the field. They're going to make some plays for you. How do you feel about getting that confidence again? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we returned the whole infield. And so, you know, we, we definitely feel good. But, you know, the, the one thing I, that I've, I've learned and just observed really is, you know, e each year is a new year. And, and, and we have to go out and, and prove it. And just because someone, you know, as a club, we fielded the ball good last year, we, that's just not a given, you know. In, in college, it's, it's not professional sports. Um, you know, they're, they're still college kids. And though we have a lot of confidence and a lot of belief in them, um, we have to go out and prove it and, and continue to work to, to, to do that every year. And then you mentioned plate discipline, getting on base. You know, I, I talked to Alex Arrow when he came on our radio show back in the fall, and he said that no one person is going to try to replace Joe Hosha and Matt Hoffner. Obviously, you know, the biggest offensive losses from last season. But that this team is going to be a lot more fast, athletic on the base passes and base paths and, you know, put the ball to give them a, a scenario to get on base. Would you agree with that assessment, or how, how do you feel like this team is going to put many uh, as many runs as possible across the plate? For sure, I, I think just one through nine. Um, you know, when when you look at a guy like uh, even Willie Bourbon, who who will probably hit in, in the bottom part of the order. Uh, Willie's got a lot of college at bats, you know, and 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 he's actually looked really good of late. And uh, a guy like David Dunn at the bottom, and you know, even again, I hate to keep referring back to last year, but but just with you know looking at some of the success that we had, of you know, a Ben Dickey, a Grant Pikert at the bottom of the order, really sparked us, you know, last year. Even a, a Jake Sheeran. They came through really well at the Big Ten tournament. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, I think just when we look one through nine, they're they're just not going to be um, any easy outs, though we might not have you know, Joe Hoshite number-wise. Um, 
I, I just don't think there's going to be a ton of easy outs. And then you got to remember, you know, I love Joel, but but Joel was a career 270 hitter, you know, yeah. up until then. And it's the same thing, Cooper Weatherby. You know, yeah. this time last year we weren't talking about Cooper Weatherby. So I think those are the things. Just the development side of it is that uh, guys can develop into them. All right, thanks a lot, Coach. Appreciate it a lot. Getting really excited this weekend. I appreciate it. Go Cats.